0: Hey, this is Hudson Head, and you're listening to the Friars on the Farm podcast.
1: Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming to me via Skype is Roy. Starting to feel a little better here in quarantine land. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you feel better. I'm I've been feeling just fine, but God, it's starting to start to get a little hectic around this house, you know. I, I'm I'm sitting around a lot. I'm actually working out a little bit, but um I'm ready to go back to work. For me tomorrow I gotta go back to work. Has Lydia run out of things to watch yet? No, we uh we actually just got caught on to Narcos. So um we we've uh did Narcos Max, we did it backwards. We did the latest one first, and then now we just finished up Narcos kinda like Pablo Escobar. Now we're in season 3 which is uh the, the Cali cartel.
2: Nice. We've been watching these shows about about uh co about co- confessions about like false confessions uh. and dive in crime stuff. But we need to start watching Tiger King. Everybody keeps talking about Tiger King. Apparently I I,
1: I can't. I I can't. I've ordered me and Lydia are both. We we agree we can we can only do so much stupid. And when it's just and I know it's probably interesting and I'm sure when we do watch it um we're gonna go like, why did we watch this before? But I just Florida, I, I can't do dumb. I like in that just looks like an, a, a just someone that's not really smart. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I, I just we can't do it. Like, but we also said the same thing about Narcos. But Narcos, we didn't know, you know, we didn't know that was gonna be uh, based on a true story, which is obviously the Mexican drug cartels and obviously Pablo Escobar.
2: Well, and those guys are very smart. They're just also very reckless and incredibly ruthless.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, and growing up here in San Diego and having the uh, the Mexican border there, you know, that whole war after after Gallardo kind of went away, you know, and then the Felix brothers were just battling with all the other Plaza guys. It was just a nightmare. And, you know, we we spent most of our high school years going to Mexican bars and drinking underage, and that's what we did. And we were bribing cops uh, for going to-, to jail and –
2: I don't want to go too far off the rails here, but there's this a short series called Cocaine Cowboys. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you need to look that up. Oh, it's yeah. really good.
1: Yeah, so that's about the boys – We're here
2: in... talking about baseball, not about TV shows.
1: Right. <laughs> I did see Cocaine Cowboys. That was about uh, the Florida, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, so let's so talk about baseball. So MLB and MLB Players Association agreed to terms in regards to kind of like a, a format of the 2020 season. It's very fluid, very open, but, you know, they got some money out to the players. They Obviously, they agreed to play the minor league players, which we care more about. Um, Their stipend kind of all in one, in one big fat uh, lump sum payment, which was really Yeah, but it's not quite the pay that they would be making
2: during the season. It's really like they're just getting their per diem from spring training. That's just going to continue on, which I guess helps with meals. Um, So these guys are... They're all at home now. They're all, you know, most of them are home with parents. Some are home with wife and kid. Some are doing their own thing because of their own situation. So I, I think it's still a good thing that you've got people like adopt a minor league, adopt a milB player yeah. out there trying to support guys that might not have the support system to fall back on right now.
1: No, absolutely. And today, this tweet came from JJ Cooper. Is uh, the tweet. Hearing solid rumblings that MILB players will continue to receive four hundred dollars a week, same as they have been receiving, once the season begins. That is expected to include players who would not, who would have been in extended spring training, not fully finalized yet, but expect to come soon. And then he had that following because right, the season was going to start like in two weeks, right? Yeah, April eighth. Pretty much was when the season was going to start, and that's when the that's when the paying them per diem. Kind of falls through through the eighth, and that was it. They knew they have to figure something out. But the he had a follow up tweet that said one emphasizes I do not have final full confirmation on this, but believe this is the ac- This is accurate. If this is what happens, it would be a pay boost for lower level minor leaguers and a big cut for milb vets, but would be money in every MLB'er's pocket at an uncertain time.
2: So I, I appreciate the Major League Baseball is doing something to take care of the guys that aren't covered by the players association. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a fluid situation. I'm sure things are going to be figured out as time goes by, but I, the the guys that are more veterans, they have, they have families. They've got bills to pay. And so I, it's definitely something to watch. I'm hopeful that baseball is trying to do the right thing here to support the role.
1: Well, I would, you know, in a perfect world, they would give that per diem to the lower level guys and then just pay them Whatever, you know, and obviously you got to make the team, but, you know, you set rosters at predicted levels of where, who would be where and what level, uh, and then pay them regardless if they're playing the season or not. That would be the honorable thing to do, I think, at the very least. Um, but that, I'm sure, has a lot more ramifications than just wishful thinking like we do here.
2: Yeah, that's pretty wishful. There's not a strong track record of them just doing the right thing on on principle.
1: Right, <laughs> you know, and we're going to hear from Jeff Sanders a little bit later on, and we also talked to Hudson Head, uh third round draft pick, which is really cool. He was real fun to talk to, and Jeff, and so, and what Jeff talks about a little bit is that owners they need games to play, you know. So they're playing now, I think, in Taiwan with no with no fans. um Owners need butts in the seats. Owners need that concess- concessions. Owners need money. Um, Sure, we're talking about billionaires, you know, losing millions of dollars. But I think that matters a lot when it comes to any other kind of pay that they're doing. Right. Somebody
2: raised a good question today. What if a ball player happens to get diagnosed yeah. with the virus? How does that, even if they're playing in an empty stadium, now you've got somebody that's in the locker room, you're sharing the same shower, same, same bathroom, same workout equipment. I, it's, there are so many questions up in the air. But at least they've they've at least laid some guidelines on you know, what needs to happen before before they're gonna yeah. think about starting baseball games. That they need to the the bans on mass gatherings need to need to mellow out. Yeah. Travel restrictions need to loosen up. Um medical experts need to be able to to voice their opinion that it's safe to gather and safe to play. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're gonna be playing in front of full stadiums or how that's gonna work. Got the idea of playing in the complexes. I don't like that. Um, but we're all antsy to see baseball in whatever format it
1: is. Yeah, you know, I mean, did you watch? You were home, right, when uh, 97.3 The Fan played that simulated game for um, for the Rockies? I think it was like the, on opening day, right? It was played the opening day game. I, I didn't watch it. I
2: saw a bunch of people tweeting about it. Apparently Craig Stammen gave it up in the, <laughs> late in the game. <laughs>
1: Dude! I watched it. And was like, oh, that lineup's okay. You know, lineup's pretty good. Um, but it was funny. I was yelling at the TV, and then I had to go to work. Right when it's tied three to three, and then, you know, then my wishful Padre magical thinking was like, okay, so it's a simulated game on their opening day. Every team do this. Well, every team that does do this will probably win on their opening day, right? But no, we lost. We lost an extras. But Tommy Pham had a fantastic game, dude. Well, I did happen to watch.
2: Rockies lose in extra innings because I watched the replay from last year, Uh and it's funny because it got to like the ninth inning, and and my wife decides to go to bed, and I'm like, no, babe, I gotta stay up and see what happens. Like I knew what the score was, I know the Padres win the game, but I wanted to see how it all happened. Yeah, it's just I got you got to scratch it. So the other the other angle here is the draft. Um, So J.J. Cooper reported that. So they agreed that the, the draft would be shortened to a minimum of five rounds. People seem to think it's going to be at least ten.
1: Right.
2: Uh, it, Major League Baseball can decide how long they want the draft to be. It's just a minimum of five, but everybody seems to think that they're going to be chopping it way short of what it used to be.
1: Yeah, that's and that's once again that's going to be a fluid situation. Five rounds. They didn't spend. Like I, I didn't see. I didn't. I should have quoted the tweet, but the. Hardly any of the money was spent in the first five rounds, so a lot of that money is spent later on in the later rounds, and it affects what what you what you pay the guys, you know, what you what you get in your uh, slot. Well, what they did was they froze the
2: the draft slot allocation, so whatever they were last year is going to be the same, and it's not just for 2020; it's also for 2021 and 2022. Um, and then what was it? So the bonuses will be deferred. So the picks will receive an initial payment of hundred grand and then getting the rest in equal amounts in 2021 and 22 non-drafted players can receive no more than 20,000 as opposed to 125,000 previously before counting against the team's allotment. I'm taking this from an article that uh, Ken Morrison's all published in the athletic recently. Yeah. So the bonus values will remain at 2019 levels for the next two years. Those bonuses typically rise about. 30%. So. In a sense, I get it that baseball this year is fantastic. they're going to be a little bit strapped. Yeah, but they're use. It seems like they're almost using this as an excuse to freeze the the inflation of the draft pools and shorten the the shorten the whole thing. So they're signing less players, and that plays into trying to consolidate the minor
3: leagues.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a huge thing. I'm looking at the uh, fan graphs from Eric Longenhagen and that's a big scare and you know, the major league baseball players association doesn't really care about that. The, but the minor league teams, the minor league players are you know, the minor league affiliates. It, um, it could be a power play by MLB to do that. Well, it worked out really well. This is what we're going to do. And you know, the, God, it's just, it, it really, this happened at a really unfortunate time with the, uh, with the agreement, with the, uh, with the agreement with the minor league baseball kind of coming to a head at the end of this season. Uh, it does. It kind of throws everything into a in, in, into their blender, into, uh, throw a wrench into it. Uh, a little bit of craziness there. Oh, sorry, I lost my train of thought.
2: <laughs> so, Logan points out that amateur and minor league players don't have a seat at the bargaining table for the negotiation. It's entirely between the Players Association and the owners. Um, and so, the Players Association, they're going to fight for for what the major league players get, right. and it's going to come at the Sense of what goes to minor leaguers and also what happens with international players and the draft because another thing that they're talking about here is they're good they can they have the option of delaying the 2020-2021 international signing period and there's talks that they may be trying to work toward an international draft as soon as next year
1: and that's just like regular draft here it's just not these pre-made deals where you're like, "Hey, we're going to sign you, and this is what we're going to give you, and this is what's going to happen." Kind of the underbelly of international draft signing, and it'll be straight draft like that. That's that kind of works in, in not in their favor, you know. Yeah,
2: it's it's a it's a it's a double-edged sword um, because there is kind of an industry supporting that with the Buscones and the and the different academies that, yeah. that operate down there. Uh, and, and so to be able to standardize that between all the different countries, the way that they work it all out, and the Major League Baseball teams do support all of that to a certain extent. So there's a, there's a lot to figure out if they're going to try to turn some kind of, a, of an international draft into it. Because right now they're signing guys, like, like they sign them at age 16, but the agreement's been a handshake agreement since they were like 14.
0: Right. Right.
2: Well, now it's going to be an actual draft. Is it still going to be 16-year-olds? Are they going to make it 18-year-olds like the... Like the the domestic amateur draft, and then another side of it is the what's happening with scouts. So now, if your major league draft is being cut from forty rounds to twenty rounds or less, you're going to be drafting less players. You'll be bringing less guys on. You're not going to be looking for the diamonds in the rough as much. You're really looking for the 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 stud players, the heavy hitters, and you don't need as much canvassing out there. You don't need all the eyes, all the boots on the. So that's going to put a
1: bunch of scouts out of work. The repercussions are just endless with this. And it is not, it, none of it's good. And none of it is, we think it's for the better of the game. You know, obviously more scouts, uh, more jobs, more people we can talk to on the podcast and more people that get picked. You know, you get your shot when you get signed. It doesn't matter if you're 25th round or the first round, you get your shot. And sure. What
2: yeah. You- I, I drafted in the what? 38th, 39th round. And, now he's a major leaguer.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, they, they come back with, well, only 2% of people that drafted after the 25th round ever really make it to pro ball. But still, you need those guys in the system. Well,
2: you need them in the system if you've got a half dozen levels of minor league rosters to fill. Yeah. So if you crop that back to maybe four. Well, there go 50 guys that used to have a job. Now they're looking for something else. Mm-hmm. And then another thing is if you're a kid, like we talked to Hudson Head today, and signed a big bonus, so you're great for him. Um, but a lot of guys are faced with: do I sign a bonus and try to pursue baseball, where maybe in like three, four, five years down the road I might have a chance to to make it, or do I go play football or basketball or do something else where I sign and in a in less than a year I'm in the majors, I'm making big money.
1: Right. Right. And strategy. We lose that athlete to to another sport,
2: and, and also you yeah, I about kind of like, the MLB draft. We would have just gone straight to
1: football? Yeah, it's it's crazy. And so the the first five rounds, only 167 players are picked, and there's 1217 players picked overall. And you miss the guys like Nick just That I think he was a ninth rounder, but still, you like he wasn't supposed to make it to the big leagues, and now he he made it to the big leagues, and now he's playing for another major league team. It's just not good. It, it's just, you know, and so we're going to see how this, we're going to see how all this kind of plays out. And uh, it, it certainly it like, makes me scared been, for the future. It really does kind of give me yeah. a, a little bit of a fear factor with, with what's going on.
2: Well, they're trying to pinch some pennies. Yeah. And it, 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 I hope it's not detrimental to the game in the long
1: run. Exactly. So let's real quick talk about what, you know, the service time. So, I mean, <laughs> If there is no season this year, I mean we can we can rejoice in the fact that Mookie Betts never played one inning with uh, with the Dodgers, but then Tatis will have two years of service time with only played eighty four games.
2: Right. Yeah, but then how the, the flip side of that is why should the ball player lose a year of service time, you know, and be an indentured servant for another year, if you will, a very well paid one. Right. But still you know, they they want to get to free agency and they've worked their butt off they've played you know every year for 6 years as a pro to earn that so then you get right there and you go oh wait no you got to go another year it makes sense that they're going to count this year as a year of service time regardless but it's it's just it's weird it's yeah. weird it's always been what, 172 days on, on an active roster yeah. gets you a year of service time and now it's some proportion based on how long the season, if it's a hundred days, then if you make it to 80, then you get your year.
1: It's weird. It's weird. So you can almost as, as for the major league team, you can almost use this depending on if and when the season starts, almost like another development year for the pot trade. Right? I hate to say it, and I want to bring this up is No, no, no. Is is you can have you can have a six man rotation and get a good look at one of our strong minor league players. Or you know, have right. two extra guys in the bullpen – uh, that you know, Javier obviously was going to make it. And we talked about that with Jeff Sanders, but you know, guys like Stephen Wilson that had a fantastic spring that might not have made the forty man or might not have made the twenty five man, but now he'll probably be on that twenty nine man roster.
2: Right, and I I don't know if I would look at that as a developmental year because right. the the Padres were positioned to have a strong team this year. Yeah. I I not many thought that they were going to. To go after the Dodgers and challenge them for a, a division title, but there was a chance that the team, things could fall right, and they could compete for a wild card, so now if you take that time and you shorten it down, now Garrett Richards can go every fifth day, and you're not worried about trying to find an extra couple of weeks in the middle of the season to give them some extended rest. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., you, okay, getting through 162 games plus a postseason is a challenge, but if it's only 100 games plus a postseason, that's definitely more doable So i i think it plays into the padres factor a little bit plus on top of that they've got the depth both both from a starting pitching standpoint yeah. and that they can support yeah. it yeah it i condens- I agree they've, they've got to just if they're going to try to compress the season you need to have more bodies you need yeah. to be able to turn your pitchers over you need to be able to find rest for guys so i think it plays into the padres hand if, if it goes
1: that way. It really does with the depth, and if they have a couple of, you know, if they have a few double hitters during the week, maybe say two double hitters a week to add another game or maybe three, uh, you're going to need those guys, and I really do think that kind of helps in our favor, but if we make the playoffs, I mean, and if we make the playoffs, we make the playoffs. I don't care if you want to put an asterisk next to it or whatever. Making the playoffs is you're there. Oh, we're, I'm going to be excited. I don't
2: care how many games a season is. If they're going to the my God, I haven't seen that. I feel like I haven't seen that in my whole adult life. That's not exactly true, but it's been a long time.
1: <laughs> That's fun. That's funny.
2: Put it this way. I've never attended a playoff game in person, and I really want to do
1: that. Yes. I really want to shell out that much money for a game. Absolutely. Absolutely, I will. So, hey, that's about it. We got that. We have Jeff Sanders coming up here, and soon after that, we'll have Hudson Head. So, stay tuned for that, and we'll talk to you. Hey, we're joined here with Jeff Sanders of the UT. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys? Well, we're staying in place pretty much. How are you holding up under all this uh, quarantine uh, and staying shelter-in-place?
3: You know, not too bad. You know, the changes is the wife is is working on the desktop computer from home. My son is in extended spring break, so I have to find quiet corners of the of the house to, to make phone calls and do things like this. And good thing I have a laptop. I'm used to moving around, but. <laughs> Um, you know, keep, keep him busy with what I can, you know, itching for some baseball for sure. But, you know, it's going to be a while from what I can tell.
2: I I appreciate how you, how you shifted your focus to Padres history, because when this whole shutdown started, my question, one of the things that comes to mind is what does a sports writer do with no games going on? So today you put a really good article out here about Terry Kennedy or about Craig Nettles. um, But I just wanted to say kudos for this historical theme of, was it hard for you to come up with an angle? Did you have
3: to do that on the fly? Well, it's actually a series, and I can't take credit for it. Uh, my boss, Jay Rosner, you know, suggested, "Hey, let's do an on this day in Padres history series." And so I've been, you know, it's kind of my crash course on Padres history. I've been covering the team since 2012. You know, I, you know, I'm learning new things every day now. And I was the thing about Craig, um, Nettle, Greg Nettles, excuse me, um, for today, which is the anniversary of him being traded here in 1984 uh, a few days ago. It was a uh, still another anniversary of his trade. Um, in a couple of days next week, I believe uh, on April 8th, um, I spoke with Ed Spezia who hit the first home run in Padres history. So we're doing one of these every single day. Some of them will be longer than others, depending on who I can get a hold of. And you know, they were coming, putting this together on the fly, you know, and, I still have a couple of days in the calendar that I'm trying to figure out what is a significant event of that day. It's, it's been fun. Right? You know, if, you, if you like Padres history, definitely keep checking it out because there will be a new story every day.
2: Well, it's a good way to fill the time. I appreciate it.
3: Right,
1: really. And we're dying for content, so anything that we can use for trivia is great. Ed Espigio is a, is a little-known fact about, uh, about, uh, about the Padres. And it's funny, his name does come up on occasion.
3: So, yep, that's for
1: sure, so what do you think about the- with the shortened season and the expansion of the rosters do you uh who do you see making the uh the rotation? Do you see Mackenzie gore making the rotation?
3: You know, I don't I mean you know there certainly would be a need down the year you know down the road in the year, depending on how much this we get, but the thing is he had five stars at Double a he was you know significantly younger than Chris Paddock when he made the jump from Double a to the majors i I think he needs innings, and that's going to be the challenge. Um, you know, if, if they're in some kind of playoff hunt and they need an arm, maybe it brings, makes sense to bring him up. But I, I don't see them starting the clock, especially given all the, you know, those considerations and all the courses are going to be happening with that this year. I, just, I don't see that happening right off the bat. The deeper team, too, than it was last year when Chris Paddock made the team. Yeah. Um, do you see him
1: starting in El Paso, or does he go back to Amarillo?
3: Um, I I I, 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 would, I would guess if you're going to make me have a guess, I would say Amarillo. I mean, he, yeah. he had two stars, he had five stars there. You know, that, you know, that's a, that's a place to start. Let's not go to the Pacific coast league and have him have to worry about that place. Not that Amarillo is a whole lot better, but there is a safer, pitch, safer place to pitch on the road in the Texas league for sure.
1: Certainly wouldn't. Yeah. I I think the same thing too, with, with El Paso, the Pacific coast league being just the moon, uh, you don't want anything to rattle that cage, but you do want to see him pitch a little bit of adversity, which he did a little bit in spring training. So, um, you know, and you can just throw that out cause it was raining and it was just, it was a horrible game. Um, does Javier Garrett make the bullpen? You
3: know, I thought he was one of, I mean, Kemp camp was what halfway over, maybe I can't even remember that far back now. Um, but he he was having a lifestyle spring training. I mean, I thought he he was pitching himself in the position to make the roster. Then, yeah, I thought because he was out of options, he would have to pitch himself off the roster. And he's only been pitching for a year, and the strides he's made. You know, I don't think that was someone that they want to let get away from them. And now, you know, if they come back, the rosters are going to probably be expanded to help them get through these. You know, whatever the season is going to look like. You know, there's going to, there could be seven. There could be a lot of double-header games and stuff like that, trying to make the season as long as possible. There's going to be expanded rosters, and I think it would be even easier to keep a guy like
1: that. So do you think they would go to a six-man rotation or seven-man rotation? Are those, you know, the extra roster spots are just going to be bullpen arms and maybe, you know, slowly guys working guys up to five, up to six innings and beyond?
3: Yeah, I I imagine it would be – a five-man rotation again. You know, with, with, with more bullpen arms. I mean, you don't know how much these guys are going to be stretched out. Yeah. You're still going to want them pitching on regular turns. You don't want to change everything about the way they pitch and prepare for games. So, I mean, I think it's carry more bullpen arms to get to get them through because they're not going to have six weeks to ramp up. It's going to be like two to three weeks. They're going to you know they're going to have to haul butt to get ready for the season whenever whenever they get a, a start date.
2: So we've seen that some of the guys are working out at Petco Park now. Um, is there any media access? Do you have any idea what's going on down there?
3: I do not. I do not believe there is media access. They're keeping things, you know, you know, trying to do the social distancing. thing. You know, I know Kevin A. You know, the, the, the beat writer for us, he, he is keeping tabs on that more than I am, especially with this project. Um, but no, there, there isn't any media access as far as I know.
2: Have you been keeping in touch with any of the minor league guys? Are there international players
3: still in the compound? I've been touching base with with, with players and people in the system. Um, Minor leaguers were sent home. not across the board. Now, the international guys, it's a little bit more challenging um, given, you know, they come from all over. You know, like like Venezuela, those players, that country has been shut down, and some of those players are en route on their way home when they got, you know, when those borders got shut down. And so a lot of those guys, uh, you know, did not have a great year, kind of turned it on, got, you know, kind of got settled in towards the last month of the season, had a good postseason, kind of carried over his work, in, you know, in the, um, in the instructional league. And, you know, he hit the ground running in big league camp. You know, he stayed. You know, there was the first round of cuts, and he stuck around for a few more days. He was hitting the ball hard. You could see the effort. I mean, there was – he was in Reds camp the year before, and he kind of took it as like a, oh, this is just to get a look at me. They're not really, you know, thinking, you know, he didn't think he had a chance to make the team last year. But he, he did not like that mindset. He, don't, he doesn't think that mindset set him up to have a good season. So he, he came in this year intending to win a job. And whether or not that was a realistic expectation, I probably would say it wasn't. But he impressed, and you know, he looked like he was ready to go this year. I was excited to see what he was going to do in El Paso. You know the moon. So he was going to have probably some
1: pretty good numbers if he got to play a full season there. You know, I I accidentally we what we call it a uh, buddy read you for that last question on Francie Cordero. So could you answer us again on the uh, Francie Cordero, just in case we missed that? Yeah. Well, what was the question again? Uh, do you think Francie Cordero makes the team? I accidentally pressed pause on the. Uh, yeah, press pause and didn't get that
0: last. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think Francie. We all know what we think he can be you know we, we've been teased what's his potential we've seen injuries kind of keep him from it, being able to realize that a major hurdle for him making the roster was cleared when margot was traded away you know, i believe grisham was you know intended to be the starter but i think Franchine is left hand at bat he was going to have an opportunity to get it back and see time and that was rosters you know likely expanding to get us through this season uh, I think it's, I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to be on this team.
1: Fantastic! You know who really impressed me was Gilbert Arias. Uh, what did you see with Gilbert Arias in spring, and did he did he kind of uh, put his name on the uh, on the radar there?
3: Well, I think it was always on the radar. That you know, he it was a young guy in camp, and you know, he didn't look that young. He he held his own. They had him. You know, his last I think game you know in cactus before he got sent down, they had him play all nine innings against. Uh, Again, started by Corey Kluber against the Rangers. Um, you know, he put, he put the ball in play. I think he impressed. He turned, turned some heads. I know um, the international scouting director was in the dugout, Chris, Chris Kent, just kind of watching him, just kind of assessing how he handled the situation. I know he came away impressed. Um, I know the big league staff came away impressed, too.
1: We got. We watched him a lot last year up on Lake Elsinore, and we had been fans of Gabriel Arias uh, since we got him. Uh, so, what, moving on to the draft, going, you know, by this time, even now, uh, so early in, you know, late in the draft kind of season, but early in, kind of the mindset, players and teams already had their guys picked. So, what do you think uh, the, the shortening of the five rounds of the amateur draft are going to look like for the Padres?
3: <laughs> I couldn't begin to tell you um, what their board would look like. I don't know. I mean, they, they, they could pick right now if they needed to. Um, you know, they've been doing research on these guys for, for years. But, these, you know, spring is important. You know, spring is when Mackenzie Gore pops up into, into consideration. They would not have taken him with, this, with that pick in 2017 if he hadn't been able to show what his offseason did for him and improve, him, improve his stock. So as far as what the draft's gonna look like, I couldn't tell you what the Padres board at all is gonna look like. I do think that five rounds is a worst-case scenario. I think I know scouting directors; they want as many rounds as possible. You know, the thing is, is that you know owners need to pay for these signing bonuses. They need games to start. You know, they need to have that revenue created. I think the more major league games that they can count on, is the longer the draft will be.
1: Hmm. So so uh just at ballpark what do you think uh baseball will start back up?
3: Oh man. I couldn't even tell you. I don't think before June. Um yeah, I just you, you see some of the stories trending around the country yeah. and it, I it's hard to, you know, I don't think it's, I don't know that it does start. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that I'm just I I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I I think I don't think it'll happen before June and longer this goes, you see numbers trending in the direction they're trending, and you wonder, should should it start at all? I don't know. I don't have the answer to so those questions. I right. have, that is this. ask myself that daily. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so so I guess that means you're going to be researching a lot of ice history.
3: <laughs> well, I think I've committed to that regardless. we started this. <laughs> so if, if we're in August and we're playing and the minor league season's done, you're going to see me pretty stressed out working on these and all that going on at the same time. So what but hey that'd be a good scenario I think too.
1: so do you think they just even if, if they don't if, even if the season does start and uh, they may say the major league season gets pushed out a few weeks past uh, you know the regular end of the season do you think they do that with a minor league uh, season or do you think they just went the end of the season they end it
3: I you know I, I don't have any idea I think, right. I think the the minor league season is important to the organization. And I don't know if it's a priority to, you know, the owners, but the, the teams, you know, they, they have players that are developing. They, they need McKenzie Gore building his endings. They need Fatima doing that. So th- I think there's going to be every attempt to get this, to get that underway as well.
1: Well, Jeff, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you stay safe, uh, stay quarantined, uh, and have a good day, man. I really appreciate you coming on.
3: No problem, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm Dr. Travis Ehlers, and I'm a certified chiropractic sports physician. been in practice for 14 years, and I'm located at Oasis MD in Mira Mesa. I see patients anywhere from the weekend warrior to professional athletes, all the way to kids, pregnant women, basically anyone that has musculoskeletal conditions. So if you want any more information or would like to see a chiropractor, you can locate me at 844 844- six two seven four seven six three that's my office number otherwise you can get more information on my website ww dot otherwise um, I have social media instagram twitter and facebook so just uh look up my name Dr Travis Ealers
1: Hudson Head was drafted in the third round in the 2019th Amateur Draft, 87th overall at a Winston Churchill High School in San Antonio, Texas. The speedy outfielder was has evaluators buzzing about his quick hands and plus speed and had an impressive debut in AZL last year with a 283-383-417 slash line with a 20.6 strikeout rate in 32 games. And he joins us here on Friars on the Farm. What is
0: up, Huddy? You know, nothing much, guys. You know, just... Living the quarantined life, I guess. You know, trying to stay safe.
2: <laughs> so what are you so doing? You yeah. today, though, you were telling us you play some golf.
0: Well, but yeah, but we, you know, we just had our own cards. We're staying six feet apart. You know, what? <laughs> How to bring the hand, sign- hand sanitizer as well. Uh. Yeah, golf is one of
2: those where you can uh, you can spread out fairly well and maintain those rules.
0: Yeah, that's why we're really we're about to play a lot of golf because that's the only thing we can go do.
2: Who do you have your hitting coaches? to you about that
0: uh i mean there's a little sketchy about it but i mean as long as it affected me yet so
2: well nobody listens to our podcast so don't worry about that it's not like we didn't have
1: (laughs) 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 hey hold on genie sam listens to the podcast on occasion but he might not hear this till he's driving in between affiliates uh whenever the season starts hey but i want to quick get started with a happy birthday man you you're to turn 19 in uh next not this wednesday but next wednesday yeah
0: yeah, thank you very much.
1: Yeah, 19. Dude, big 19, that's fantastic. Uh, so you grew up in yeah, so you grew up in uh, San Antonio?
0: uh yes, I, I was born in Houston, and my family and I moved around a couple times and then been here for 12, 13 years.
1: Did you grow up going to a lot of missions games?
0: I, I mean, I went a co- here and there, but uh, the stadium's not in a great spot, so we didn't get to make it out there too much.
1: Yeah, I heard. Yeah, the, uh, unfortunately, Wolf Stadium is uh, now it's a Triple A uh, affiliate of the Brewers, but it's not one of the better uh, better stadiums.
0: You yeah, know? I mean, I got to play there a couple times for playoffs in high school. I mean, it was a fun experience, but dri- having to drive an hour to get there and an hour back when if it was just downtown, it would be the stadium would be packed every night.
1: Interesting. I, I thought it was in you know in the greater San Antonio. It's an hour away. Damn. Yeah, for, yeah, it's far.
2: Hopefully, when you make it out to uh, to Fort Wayne, you'll you'll see they built Fort Wayne right in the middle of downtown uh, Parkview Field. It's right in the middle of downtown, so all the people come out. It's an awesome scene. So hopefully, you get to see there this year. Yeah,
0: hopefully, get to
1: see it pretty soon. So, hey, let's start starting your high school uh, career, dude, you played quarterback.
0: Yeah, in high school, I did. Yeah, so I I wasn't a quarterback until my sophomore year which would be would have been my JV football year, but I actually ended up breaking my elbow like a couple weeks before the season started. It was a contact injury. Like Some guy just decided that he was going to throw the JV scout team quarterback into the ground. But yeah, I played quarterback my junior year. I was the backup, and then I ended up quitting football after that to focus on baseball.
2: Man, I take it the elbow injury didn't have any lingering effects. You
0: healed from fine from that and everything? Oh well, I mean, actually, I throw the football with my right arm, and throw a baseball with my left. So actually, didn't affect it at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you throw a baseball with your right arm? I can, but I cannot throw a football with my left arm.
1: Ah, uh, it's so interesting. That's, that's, that's funny. Hey, uh, so how did you find any any of the uh, you know any of the skills from football translated into baseball?
0: I think a lot of it's like the team culture around a football team cuz the culture you have around a football team is going to be different than what you have around a baseball team. But football is truly like a real team sport. So that I carried that into the baseball season and then the toughness that comes with football. You got to be gritty, you got to be nasty. So that attitude has helped me as well. Roy, we going to say something there?
1: Uh, no, no, go ahead. Uh, okay. So I so did you participate in any of the uh, largest showcases? I couldn't find anything in there.
0: I was not on the showcase circuit. I, I think the biggest showcase I might have done was I went to an Under Armour All American tryout going into my senior year. But that—that's about it. So
2: just a tryout, though, not a not an actual game with scouts and all that stuff around.
0: No, there was scouts there. Like it was a big group. There was three teams just that they put together. We're all playing each other. But that was like when we hit BP. Uh, ran sixties and stuff. Just that was the only one I really went to. I saw you hit. So what happened between
2: there and draft day, because all of a sudden your name popped up. What, what changed?
0: Uh, I think a lot of it was learning to lift a baseball. Right. I mean, I had power going into that. I just, I guess I hadn't unlocked it yet. And also since I didn't play football my senior year, I finally had a full off season to work out. So usually when baseball, summer travel ball was done in the summer, I go right into, you know, football workouts and stuff. So I never really got to train. Did you miss football at all? A lot. I love football. It's just I I didn't want to get hurt, and I didn't know if I was going to be a starter or not. And so I didn't really want to go through being a backup again. Well, baseball's working out well for you so far. It is. Yeah, no complaints on that part.
1: So what's your team? So you must be a Sooner because you were committed to go to Oklahoma. Uh, Sooner's kind of a big be- Sooner guy. Okay. Where, yeah,
0: big sooner guy.
1: What about your pro team?
0: Houston Texans. Houston Texans. My dad grew up an Oilers fan, and that transferred on to me and watched Texans every Sunday.
1: Ah, uh, dude, I loved the old school Oilers helmets with the, uh, with kind of like, the, I, what is that? Like a jack? What do they call it? Jig? Is it a, like an Oilers rig or something
0: like that? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Dude,
1: then they moved. It was just, I, I, when they moved out of Houston, I was like, what the hell is going on in, in my world? Uh, just, yeah. It's kind of crazy. So, going into the draft, were there other teams interested in you? Were you talking with other teams before you got drafted?
0: Yeah, there was teams that had uh, serious consideration, but uh, nothing like the Padres.
1: So, let's talk about draft day. You, Where were you? What was happening? Go through that day for us.
0: So, when draft day was coming around, I so about I a couple weeks before is when I really thought, oh, this is a serious possibility like it could happen and then so the day the first night i was uh i there was a possibility of me getting picked that day and so i stayed up all night watching the draft and then i think it was a couple picks before the round is over i'm like all right i'm gonna go to bed like i as i'm getting up out of the chair uh my agent calls me and says hey they're gonna pick you tomorrow but you can't tell anyone and so i'm ready everything's racing through my head like i am just through the roof like i don't didn't know how to act i ended up going like a three hour run that night because i just couldn't fall asleep and mind you this is during high school exams oh my god so the next day so the next day i had had to take an economics test early and no idea how i did on that but i went in real quick and then uh ended up just completely skipping my art exam and then Left school early and then that was, that was the draft. Got a call an hour later.
1: You didn't go, like, hey, mom, hey, pops, let's get a little, like, a meat platter or some chips and dip and watch the draft. What do you think?
0: Oh, yeah, no. We, I, none of us knew how to, what to do. Wow. We were just standing in the kitchen.
1: That is fantastic. Do you
2: remember the name of the scout?
0: Keep stagging.
2: All right. As we've heard before, you never forget your scout. Oh, Kevin Hamm.
1: Kevin Hamm.
0: Fantastic. Yeah,
2: right on. So right after you signed, you came to Petco Park. You got to meet a bunch of the guys on the team. What was that like?
0: Surreal. I was freaking out. It was it was the best one of the best days of my life. Just hitting BP in a big league field. And then while, while I'm hitting, Ian Kinsler tells me to use his bat. And then I ended up leaving with four of his bats that day. So it was a great day. Dude, and Moose signed awesome. a bat
1: for you too because he's also a Boris client. Yeah?
0: Yeah, he sent me a bat. Actually, that's the bat I took my first pro AB with. Yeah, but But,
2: doesn't he co-own a bat company? I think he was trying to do some campaigning. A little
0: bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Kinsler uh, has war stick and, uh, yeah, good bats. Uh, So what do you swing? I swing Chandler. Okay. Right now. But I switch all the time. Like, it it could be the next at bat. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to use a different bat.
2: Uh, So you don't have? A deal side with any bat company
0: no I, I don't have any deals with anyone except wilson for gloves
2: have you used wilson gloves since you were in high school or is that a new thing
0: since i was in high school do
2: you have any cut anything custom about what you use
0: yeah the glove I, the glove i was breaking into you be my gamer this year is a custom
2: nice. what's custom about
0: everything the whole thing colors,
2: well, you and it- mess with the colors you get something embroidered
0: on it what do you do well, I mean, I would, I try to be loud but traditional at the same time. So I use like this bright burgundy copper color and then I put hoodie on it. All
1: right. Yeah. Dude, so we got two hoodies in the system. That's fantastic. So did Manny give you some any kind of sage advice cuz he was also a very young draft pick as well. Did he he didn't give you any uh anything to uh think about?
0: Uh no. I've I mean, when I uh I met Manny the day I was at Petco, and that's the only time I've ever talked to him. He just said, you know, just, it goes by fast, so enjoy it, and just to work hard. You know, usual stuff. So what was your next stop after that? Did you go straight to Port Peoria from there? Yeah, next day I was in Peoria traveling to a game. Who were
1: your roommates?
0: My roommate for the ACL season and Instructional League was Josh Mears.
1: Ah. Nice. Have not got a hold yeah, of Josh you yet. Got the speed, you got the
2: speed and the power between the two of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kinda
1: opposite. So you guys do you guys play video games or what did you guys do when you guys weren't playing ball?
0: Well, me and Mears, uh Mears and I we uh kinda had a quiet room. We'd usually spend spend another time in other people's rooms, try to keep our room clean.
2: I guess that's respectful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, you know, whenever you want to go to sleep, you just leave and go to your room.
2: So while you were there, were you guys working on a bunch of stuff? Was it fundamental stuff, base running, the tinkering with your swing at all?
0: I, when I first got there, they gave me a couple weeks so they could learn me and I could learn them. But a lot, big big part was uh, fielding. I go, went from high school where I was just being an athlete to where really learning how to get a first step on a ball, really learning how to get reads.
2: Who in particular was working with you? Remember any coaches that stand out?
0: Uh, Vinny Lopez. I would work with him after every practice, ground balls every day. Great coach. Love him.
1: Dude, I, and it's huge. You don't – I mean, speed is good, but getting a good first step, getting a good good read – like I play baseball, I play in the league. I play center field. I'm not fast, but I get a good first step, and my good reads give me a good path to the ball. It makes all the world – because you see me run now, it's like a like a drunk gorilla – so, hey, you got <laughs>
2: Oh, before
1: we move on, it looks like Vinny Lopez is going to be managing the tri
2: City Dust Devils if they get a season in this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he got
2: moved up. Happy so for him. Just thought I'd give a shout-out to Vinny.
1: So, you got a hit in your first 13 games. What surprised you most about pro ball?
0: Uh, how much you have to do recovery after every game or even before the game of win, before you even start your day. Uh, I mean, I didn't do anything in high school to recover. I would do ice my arm after I pitched, but learning how to, you know, learn making sure you go do the hot and cold tubs after every game, make sure you get a really good stretch before. It's all it was huge. I and I didn't, I didn't, I had to learn all of that from scratch. So,
2: so in high school, you're playing what two three games a week, practicing on off days.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: and then you go down there and you're playing just about every day. You only get one or two days off a week, right?
0: Yeah. So I, I loved playing. I loved having a game every day. That was awesome. But just learning how to, you know, make sure you're not staying up too late after a game. Not making sure you're not falling asleep at two a.m. because then you wake up the next day and you don't. You're not a hundred percent. managing your time,
2: shitting, and all that kind of stuff.
0: Uh, kind of. Yeah. It was just everything's just They try to take it slow especially with us high school guys like me abrams Mears. they all took us slow and then we're lear- gradually learning each and every day they have a good plan for us okay they're like Did you say classroom yeah 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 we uh we have a pro development class usually every day and it's just talking about a lot of it's being mindful you know When the game gets too fast, when life gets too fast, just taking a step back, making sure you breathe, a lot of meditation type stuff.
2: So not just baseball specific stuff, but also how to handle yourself off the field too, right?
0: Yeah. How to, you know, how to make, making sure you call your parents, you know, making sure you say thank you to other people, making sure you're eating right, falling asleep at the right time, all sorts of stuff. So
2: before being drafted, what was the longest time you'd been away from home? Like going on a trip or
0: whatever? week, two weeks, maybe. But yeah. I had never been gone without my parents for more than a week. So the two and a half months was – it wasn't too hard. wasn't too bad because I was busy every day. Okay, so you mentioned
2: pitching back in high school. What what were you like as a pitcher?
0: Uh, I would say I was a guy who thought he threw hard. <laughs> and uh, could spin it a little bit.
2: Oh, yeah? could you put a little slider, curveball?
0: What, what did you throw? Kershaw type curveball. Oh. oh
2: wow. that, yeah. Is that knuckle curve? At that the knuckle? Uh, uh, over the top of it. Yeah.
1: Okay, so who were some I mean, of the. Go ahead. Uh, no, I had nothing. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> hey, so who were some of the ballplayers you admired growing up?
0: Uh, the first true player I really loved to watch was Josh Hamilton, because growing up, that's when the Rangers were good. And then I know, I went to a game where he scored on an infield single from second base, robbed a homer, and also hit a homer in the same game. So that, that guy was the top, best player in the league growing up. And then also I, I continually watch Ken Griffey Jr. highlights every day. Just such a sweet swing. Yeah,
1: this left-handed swing is, is pretty sweet, and your swing is pretty sweet as well. Hey, so so you, you went through the season, you participated in Instructs, and then you come back to Petco – and playing the Don Welkie Classic. How cool was that?
0: That was aw- that was truly just awesome because, you know, we had fans there. That was the most fans I'd played in, s- in front of since high school. And then they got everything working. They had a scoreboard going. T- got to take in and out on the field. It was truly a great experience.
1: I, we were there right next to the batting cage when you guys were hitting on that, on the day that
0: they had everyone there. I thought I saw you hit a bomb. Yeah? Did you hit a bomb at BP? I, I do. I did. I think I hit one that day. We're swinging too hard. we was trying to hit too many. Ah, but
1: dude, it's your first shot at the Petco, you know. Really, hey, and, and yeah, and, and Peter Cider was that Peter Cider hanging out with you as well? He was all over you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked. We talked that day. We we have a good relationship. We've talked a couple times. Yeah,
1: you know, we. You know, this relation, this relationship, this this organization is really, is a really solid relationship. Peter Cider, um, you know, Ron Fowler the really good guys some of the guys you're going to meet in uh, you know in Fort Wayne in AC uh, Anthony Contreras he's going he, you know his main job he, he comes from a very military background and he teaches like his main focus is to teach you guys how to be professional ball players how to set that routine how to you know a lot of what you're talking about before getting to bed early about really taking it serious and you're gonna love it in Fort Wayne. If you start in Fort Wayne, if not, you're gonna make it up in uh, Giza Stadium, up at the Tri Cities, and you'll have Vinny there, so you'll know him. Um, what? So since so you then this past off season, what kind of did you focus on uh, in this off
0: season? A lot of it was just learning how to handle an off season, learning how to be professional while working out, learning just overall how to be professional in the off season. I had no idea. And I went out and trained in a BSTI in California, the Boris training. And I'm working out with guys like Matt Chapman and then Matt Harvey. So just watching them, I got to learn a lot, just how to go about things.
2: So now back in uh, San Antonio, do you have a gym that you, you've been working with?
0: Uh, No, I've currently just been working out at home, trying to make do. But
2: yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, like back in November, December, were you going to a particular place or just doing your own uh, thing? Oh, no.
0: I, I was doing my own thing. I don't have a place here. Ah, well.
1: Did you see? Uh, did you see on Instagram the Boris uh, Instagram post about the post. Oh my god! So you guys check it out. I follow Boris Corporation on on Instagram, and you know, one scene it's it's him talking to the a baseball on a tee, and it looks like the coronavirus. He's like, "We're not gonna get you. you're not gonna get us. <laughs> We're gonna get you." And then and then the next pose, you see him. And he's had a pretty good swing. He stays on his back foot there and he smacks the ball off the tee. It was kinda kooky, but I thought it was kind of fun. Um so how during camp, where were you when they pulled the plug? You were there for the mini camp, yeah?
0: Yeah, I went out there on February second. So I actually came out uh, a month early. Or twenty like twenty days early. And uh yeah, we had just it was a rain day and uh they they just all of a sudden uh Chris Kemp just came into the locker and was like, Hey, meeting at three, don't go anywhere. And then so and then they told us we we're going home.
2: How long did you have between that meeting and when you actually like got on the plane or whatever to go
0: home? Well, so I, I I was gonna leave the next morning in my car since I drove out there. And uh but then they told like a group of us, Hey, some guys are gonna stay to like uh work with some big the bigly league guys because that, at that point the bigly guys hadn't decided to leave yet but then that next day when we ke- came in and like start our day they said yeah y'all are going home
2: and yeah, that's like a what a 15 hour drive from arizona to san antonio
0: yeah it ended up being 17 hours
2: mm-hmm. i hope you took a couple of days with that up a little bit
0: yeah i drove seven one day and seven the next and you did that solo yeah yeah it was uh
1: you could have picked up Coach Wellman. I think Philip Wellman in Amarillo. You could have stopped by and picked him up. I, I could have. Yeah.
0: Amarillo
2: like eight hours north of that. So <laughs> if you going to do anything cool this off season, that you know, thanks to you know, going on any cool trips or get anything you've always wanted to have.
0: Uh well, I mean, I did buy a car, but that was just. I mean, kind of had to. I that was the first thing that popped in my head. I was like, oh, that's what I want. But uh. No, I didn't really go anywhere. Uh, I mean, I visited some friends at college, but I, no, I didn't really go do anything. What do you drive? Good, uh, Audi S five. Audi, all nice. right, all right. Okay,
1: so let's get so you. Do, go ahead. Go right now. What's the, again? what's the
2: situation like in San Antonio? What's the environment right now with with everything that's going on?
0: Uh, well, they. I think last Wednesday, I think told that like shitty was quarantined shut down like don't go anywhere but i mean there's i mean i go run for, like a couple miles every morning and there's a ton of people in the park like there's a, I live two minutes from a park where i played little league so that parked uh, there's a lot of people out running and stuff but just a quiet town right now
2: so you've got you got to a little gym set up at home where you, you can lift some weights and do some cardio and all the Jager bands and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. I have it all set up in my garage. Nice.
1: I guess better, no, no better time now than do some long toss, I guess. Huh?
0: <laughs> yeah. Long toss would be perfect. All right. Let's so go. what
2: are you doing to pass the time? Are you watching a bunch of TV
0: shows, playing a ton of games, watching movies? Uh, well, I mean, it's a mixture of video games, golfing, and then just watching TV, I guess. Those are basically three things I do every day. Work out. Yeah, I mean I have a range right next to my house and I know when there's not gonna be any people there. So I go I'd probably go do that four times a week and then play once or twice.
2: Do you swing uh do you swing a golf club left handed?
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. Are you kinda Do of, you do a lot of things both sides?
0: Yeah, so I play basketball right-handed, throw football right-handed. And if I had to play tennis, I'd play right-handed. But I write left-handed, baseball left-handed.
1: That's interesting. That's crazy interesting. All right, let's get into the lightning round.
2: Ever since that one pitcher came up and made it all the way to the big leagues, throwing from both sides, and he has the weird glove that he can switch from one hand to the other. I Apparently, I had a great-grandfather that could sign his name, like starting from both ends and meet in the middle. And it just blows my mind because I'm so one-sided.
1: Well you're an engineer yeah. you're, you're a
2: nerd <laughs> Yeah but if I try to write with my left hand It looks like a third
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's get him the, hey, Let's get him Let's get him a lightning round uh, And <laughs> we'll get him out of here Alright you ready? Yeah Do you have any superstitions?
0: Uh, Well So usually I have one guy Where I make a head shake with Before the game But I didn't have an opportunity To make that this year yet how about numbers or like that, stepping on the chalk?
2: Do you scribble in the dirt before you step in the box?
0: I, I look down the barrel of my bat and just breathe, and then I look at the left field foul pole, and I tap the bat, hold the bat up until the pitchers come set, and then I'm ready to go. Do you have a preference about numbers, uniform numbers you wear? Four. If I had to choose a number, it would be four. Why is that? Uh, well – my, f- my first football game I ever watched, Brett Favre was playing, and so he just became my favorite player, and then that's how four started.
2: Okay. All right. I don't think they're going to retire Will Myers' number no. anytime. So you come up, they, they might have number four waiting for it.
0: Hopefully.
1: You kind of already answered this with uh, Josh Hamilton, but do you have a favorite Texas athlete all over? All...
0: Patrick Mahomes.
1: Patrick Mahomes. What do you yeah. think about the DeAndre Hopkins
0: trade? I don't want to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> he, he looked away, people. <laughs> he looked away when he said that. Because my dad, I was driving back, and my dad texted me, Texans just got David Johnson. So I got real excited. I'm like, he could be a really good player. And then 15 minutes later, I get the notification from ESPN, DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. I was like, ah. <laughs> that, that ruined it. All right. Celebrity crush? Blake Lively.
2: Oh, good choice. Nice. So what's on your so pre-game pre- playlist? What kind of music do you like to listen to before the game?
0: It's a lot of rap. So a lot of uh, Lil Baby, Lil Uzi Vert, that sort of stuff.
2: All right. Did you guys ever hide over the, the, the stereo
0: before the games? How, how do you work that out? Uh, the Latin guys got the stereo. We I, I don't go anywhere near that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like a cartel in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay, so He's what's supposed- your... Foreign languages? Ah, uh, in high school I took sign language, so that didn't really help me out when I got here. Uh, I'm slowly picking up Spanish, but it's really slow.
1: I've been in food service for 25 years. I can order a burrito. That's about the best I can do. <laughs> hey, what's your comfort food? Speaking of burrito, mac and cheese.
0: Mac and cheese. Favorite movie? Either Bull Durham or the new movie 1917. Nice. I'm real big on baseball movies, and I love war movies.
1: Really? Okay. So the 1917 must be—is that your newest favorite war movie?
0: Yes. Just, it was. Uh, God, what was it? Oh, uh, Dunkirk. It was Dunkirk before 1917. Interesting.
2: Is that the one where the whole thing is supposed to be like one continuous camera shot? Yeah.
0: Yes. Great movie. I highly recommend you watch it. You haven't seen it, right? <laughs>
2: Yeah, we don't watch movies. I yeah, dude, we, we saw should. that
1: we saw it the week it came out. It was a fantastic movie. Uh, have you seen Apocalypse Now? I have not. Ask your dad about Apocalypse Now. What about Full Metal Jacket?
0: I have seen Full Metal Jacket. Platoon. I have not seen it.
1: Platoon's another good one. Ask your dad about it.
0: These are all movies. Are I movies. will. These are <laughs> Here, so, <laughs> hey, y'all are giving me movies to watch later, so I thank you. Oh,
1: uh, that and obviously Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan is almost my, probably
0: my favorite uh, war movie. It's just, it's so good. Love that movie.
2: Do you have a Waffle House near you?
0: We do not. Texas does not have Waffle Houses. Texas it's a real, sh- it's a real shame because I love Waffle House.
2: Is there a certain way that you? Is there a certain order you have when you go to Waffle House?
0: I usually get the steak and eggs. Try to stay consistent.
1: Gotta go big. Lots of protein. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Other than a dog or a cat, what animal would you have as a pet?
0: A wombat. Oh. <laughs> have you seen those things? They're real big, fluffy. They look like they just want to cuddle all the time. I'll take that one. And they're marsupials.
1: Absolutely. I
2: have a random yep. wombat. Their poop is
1: cube-shaped. Oh. Look it well. up. It- <laughs> Dude, that's I told what did I say? I told you he was a nerd. Come on, that's just that's only nerds
0: know that stuff. Hey, okay, so you got Whataburger and In N Out. Whataburger all the way. Ah. In n out's In and Out's not even in the question. It's not in the same arena. Wow. wow. How about five that's, guys? Just fall in there. Five guys is my is the burger I get if I'm not in Texas. But in n out. I compare In-N-Out to like McDonald's being from Texas.
1: Wow, that is a that's a tough take. Straight from Texas, hot from Texas. Okay, so what song would you sing if you were in the finals on American Idol?
0: If there's one thing me and my family would not do is sing, we're awful. <laughs> I don't want to hear my voice.
2: But <laughs> rap is them. The ones you walk up and then they you, like your mouth opens and you see everybody's face just drop. <laughs> yeah,
1: all right. Well, hey, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, man.
0: Uh, this was fun. Yeah, I love talking baseball, appreciate you guys.
1: That was cool. I yeah, Hudson heads to this guy. Dude, he's he's really cool, man. That was fun. Um I you know, the little bit of a hot take. He's strong Texas play with the uh with the Whataburger, no doubt. Uh not even I mean, putting an in and out burger next to McDonald's, he could lose some fans that way.
2: <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I, I like that he's got the, the confidence to put it out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And he plays the golf he,
2: yeah, it sounds like he's got to work on some things a little bit. If he's still shooting around 90, so maybe work on the short game a little bit, I bet he can hit the ball a long way.
1: Yeah, it's always the short game, so, right? Do you guys not do, yeah.
2: do that well? Hey, the thing to you make your money is with the wedges and the putter. And then before that, we talked to Jeff Sanders. And that was I, I always like getting the perspective of a journalist, and especially with all the crazy stuff going on right now, kind of getting an idea on where his head's at. Because right? he's he's trying to make a living. you yeah. got to keep writing on content yeah. and, and content. So I love that he latched onto the, the, on this day in Padres history. Is today's, um, today's article that he put out was, was pretty interesting about the San Diego native and San Diego state alum and all yeah. that stuff.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm still trying to get Mackenzie Guerrero on the opening day roster. So I asked him that, I asked him that question. Just to maybe throw that in someone's ear, just put the bug in the ear. But he's right. He's got five starts in double A. And there's no reason with the depth of pitching that we have, but uh, I just thought maybe I'll throw it out there and see if it'll stick. Um, Coming up next, we have Travis Radke. Well, and real quick was Jeff Sanders. I've been wanting to get him on for so long. um, It just hasn't really worked out. And I reached out a few weeks ago, and this is right when all this Corona stuff started happening. And he's like, you know, my kid's out, you know, my kid's out of school right now. I really don't have the time. And then I, I checked back with him this last week and he's like, let's work on it. And, uh, I really appreciate him coming on. That was really cool of him. But Travis Radke. So what's going on right now? Um, there's the Sodcast, which is Sam Levitt from the Amarillo Sod Poodles broadcaster is having a Sodcast, which is a live Twitter, Facebook, Instagram show. And they just had the first one last early last week. I had Lake Bakker on, and I was watching it on Periscope. And then you see like Blake Rogers. Uh, Travis Radke, all these guys come on and start like throwing jabs at him um, on the timeline. It <laughs> uh, th- turned out that they were those, they were all roommates. Blake Rogers, uh, Radke, and Lake were all roommates in Amarillo. And and then Travis was the guest on this last one. I believe it was on Thursday. So uh, I reached out to him and he's going to come on the podcast. He's a real cool cat. He does a lot of pranks. So we're going to talk prank. Baseball prank uh, with him. prank with him. Uh, that should yeah, be fun. funny.
2: Sure. I've always been, I don't know why, but I've always been intrigued by, by Travis Rad. You know, the lefty reliever, there's, there's a con- preconception that left-handers are odd and relievers are cut from a different cloth, and left-handed relievers are particularly odd. And on top of that, he's kind of a junk baller, so he's not somebody that's going to go up there and overpower somebody. But in the interviews that I heard uh, with Fort Wayne, just listening to how he would watch another player, how they swing at something, and that's going to change what he's going to do next. I, it sounds like a really, really intelligent guy, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to pick his brain.
1: Yeah, well, he's crafty, so you know, and he has the prank thing going on. So we're going to hear from that crafty lefty next week. Uh, till then, you guys, wash your hands, stay safe, and you can find me on Twitter at sd Donovan.
2: I am at Zippy underscore TMS. All right.
1: Till then. Go Padres.